Hello, hello everyone, and happy new year. Yay! Welcome back to Not Your Average Netizens. Uh Yo Soy Jimin. It's Yo Soy Jimin, right? Yeah, Yo no, no, no. Yeah, something like that. Um Ash. <laughs> Ash is here. Nat is here. Say hi. Um, hola. Yes. Which, <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay. Sawadika. Um, it is nice to be here. And we have a loaded docket for today, like so much stuff. So before we get into all that, how have you guys been? It's been a while. I mean, it's not been a while for us, but like it's been a while for the listeners. Um, well, I will go first. Um, it's been a crazy, well, no, 2021 was a crazy year. Um, I feel like time has no meaning anymore and like I don't even like remember most of what I did last year so I'm coming into January in 2022 with some not resolutions but just things that I want to put into practice going into the new year and that includes upgrading the podcast you know working on that SEO and also working on more content for you all the listeners and also just taking some time for myself um i'm going on my first nature hike this weekend on saturday um it's this area in in virginia called the great channels so it's kind of like mm. like a cave well there's like a cave that's like a part of it but it's also just kind of like this winding kind of hiking path and i bought like I didn't have any hiking gear, so I bought, like, all this hiking gear and stuff. So, you know, I'm like, maybe I need to be out in nature more. You know, I do remote work, so I'm at home all the time. And, you know, COVID, you know, Delta, Omicron, it's just been a mess. So maybe I need some good old nature to kind of rejuvenate me. So I'm looking forward to that. And, um, you know, just uh, trying to get some some free time and some just calmness back in my life yep sounds fun like i haven't been hiking in too long too long i need to go <laughs> sounds really fun Nat, what about you what have you been up to uh well i mean I'm on social media all the time. So I feel like most people know what I'm up to, but also, <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, COVID fatigue is a, is a thing. Uh, I'm definitely like tired. Also, there's no sun. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that happens in January after the holidays when you're like tired in general, things have been not great in the province of Ontario and we went back to like phase two lockdown so the gym is closed and you know all and basically our our like province is like uh so we're gonna go back to in class learning and you know those pesky little like the pesky information that we were using to find out who had COVID so you know you can protect yourself and all kinds of stuff we're just not gonna do that anymore so um (laughs) yeah they're not like telling anybody now you don't have to let them know when you have covid if you're doing in-class learning you just show up it is like crazy but i am you know making 
the best of it that I can make and trying to live every day like it's a good day. And I do actually go on walks all the time. I think you guys know that. And like I I got a Fitbit last year, uh, not last year, sorry, the year before. And I basically just set myself to like 10,000 steps a day. So that's what I do every day. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't matter what the weather is like outside. I always go for my walk. And it is very, very, very helpful. I think a lot of people forget what fresh air and just like nature can do to you or do for you. So I think you're going to really enjoy your walk. It might be tiring, especially if you're not used to walking a lot, but like the rewards are definitely there and you get time to think you're not tied to your phone. You know, like there's just so many benefits to doing that. And I, I recommend everybody, like if you can, obviously it's not a possibility for a lot of people, but if you can definitely go outside, walk, touch some grass do 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 the things that like are not just you being on your phone and on twitter or tiktok or whatever and just like having time like pass by and it's like you blink and it's seven hours later you don't want to do that so yeah that's that's it for me well that was definitely born in the previous century we can definitely tell that Uh, but we love her and we also love people born in the previous century we were all born in the previous century as far as me i'm cool i'm chilling very hungry because you know you don't get a lot of time to eat when you're really really busy so (laughs) it'd be like that though you just have to move on But with that being said, what are y'all listening to? I can tell y'all what I'm listening to, but I'm sure y'all would rather hear what Ash and Nat are listening to first. I've been listening to like first gen music a lot. I'm trying to like discover new music and stuff like that, not just for myself, but also to share and stuff. Cause a lot of people find it really hard to like get into like older generations. Like there's so much. Um, and so I've been just like rediscovering some of the people that I know. And I mean, I, re- I regularly listen to listen to things like or groups are like Shinwa and like Finkel and stuff like that anyway. So <laughs> a lot of this is stuff that I also already listen to. But I've been doing that and I've been listening to a lot of the new releases because there's been so many releases lately. Like K-pop just did not sleep. Like I feel in December and in January is just like go, go, go. So there's that. And then I've just been listening to Tony Braxton because I love Tony Braxton and Secrets is like one of the best albums of all time. So, yeah. And, and we love you. Um, Ash, what are you listening to these days? Yes. So I really need to get into back into the K-pop thing because, yeah, apparently a lot of people are debuting and coming back and uh, apparently I looked at a few like rookie group lists for this year and and upcoming year and it's a lot of uh it's a lot of people so um trying to carve up some time to just find out more about who is you know coming out and kind of get back into k-pop because I really was not Willie was not really in it that much and last year. I was kind of on the periphery. And so I, I had an idea of what was going on, but I wasn't really into like the like the rookie groups and all of that stuff just kind of like went over me. 
So, uh, yes, so that, and then also, I'm also trying to find uh, new music. I'm hoping that eventually music will come out of this whole weird, depressive talk singing, whispering, cursive singing phase that it's in. And just, you know, I mean, everyone doesn't have to do the same thing, but like bring back pop music, like just happy music, just dance music. Like there's nothing wrong with it. And I feel like with all of this nostalgia going on, it's kind of weird to me that that's not really extending to music so much. I mean, a little bit, but, you know, with people talking about, oh, you know, we're dressing like Gen Z now and this and that and millennials and back in like the 2000s and all this stuff. And like, yeah, but you're not really, you're not living it. Oh, it's just, it's surface. Also, my last thing I'm hoping from music is that the music industry realizes that um, there can be more female Black pop singers than Rihanna and Beyonce because they've literally been the only people that have been getting attention in that realm for like the past, my God, it's been like more than a decade at this point. So there can be more than one or two. I found a, I found an article about uh, this singer. Uh, she started off on TikTok named Pink Panthers. She's a Black British singer, and she was just named uh, BBC Radio One Sound of 2022, which was a title that was, you know, previously given to like Adele and I don't know, uh, Sam Smith, Ellie Golden. Ellie Golden. Yeah, yeah, I was about yeah. to say Ellie Golden. I know because she won, she beat Marina. Marina came in second to her. Like, oh. they actually do, I think they actually do like a ranking. Uh, so, oh. yeah. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, she does pop music and it's refreshing. And I'm just, hey, we need more. It more just more everything. So I'm completely open to that. So yeah, that is my my whole music thing for this year so far. Nice. I'll do a speed round. Um I have been listening to lots of Western music. Lots and lots of lots of basically TikTok chart music, not TikTok because I don't get on that app, but TikTok chart music. So that's like Doja Cat, not going to lie. Justin Bieber in the Kid Leroy, their song Stay is a dope song. Pop Smoke, like one of the songs that came out like what, I guess two years ago at this point. Fetty Wap, which <laughs> throwback. <laughs> um, and that's kind of like the main stuff I've been listening to. Uh, K-pop wise, it's just it's just two by two. I mean, like I I'm not gonna lie to you, it's really two by two on repeat. I've been trying to like get into some of the newer groups as well, but they haven't reached repeat status yet. So we'll see where that goes. Um, and yeah, I can't say that like in 2022 I've had any other K-pop playing because there's so much that is coming out that I just need to listen to it. Like I just need to jump into it. So. Yeah, very, very exciting stuff. Now, let's switch gears for a minute and let's talk about the 5011 comebacks and debuts <laughs> that we have, even just for the month of January. Anybody you guys are particularly excited about? Because there's a lot. So I don't, I mean, we don't necessarily need to go the whole, go through the whole list, but like, who's standing out? Like, who do you, well, for, you know, before I ask you guys that, I have to say that this group, Girls on Top, 
hilarious choice because <laughs> when I when you see their name, you automatically see Got Seven. Like you can't not see Got Seven. So it's kind of genius if you think about it. You're gonna get clicks just for that. Because when I saw that, I was like, oh, Got Seven has a song called Girls on Top, and then I realized, no, it's a group called Girl, Girls on Top. But uh, yeah, who are you guys excited about that's coming back or debuting? I'm really excited. I love Hyolin's new song with Jiyoung laying low. It, like, obviously I love them together. They did Love Line and they did Erase, which was still a song that I listen to all the time. And I love Jiyoung. And I think their voices go really well together. And it's like Dolly 2.0. I mean, it's a different song, but it's her in like, you know, in not a lot of clothing, dancing around. So I feel like it is kind of like the sequel to Dolly, but, and it also has her dancing while the male person, the male feature is singing or rapping. So that's that as well. And yeah, so I like, I love that. And it just dropped today. So I'm really excited um, to see if she gets to perform it. I mean, obviously not at the radio show. This just, some of those dance moves are just not going to work. But <laughs> just like, you know, for her channel and stuff like that. And I liked, I actually at the time when Girls on Top dropped at the SM, you know, like their New Year's SM Town show, I wasn't sure about it. I didn't hate the song, but I wasn't sure about it. And it's grown on me. It is really like, I know a lot of people are having these conversations about it not being a feminist song, but uh, neither is The Boy Is Mine. And I still sing that song with all my heart. So I don't really care. The song is great. It's a bop. And I hope that they do more because I thought they were going to have like a real music video and we haven't seen anything like that at this point. So it's kind of strange. And obviously Taeyeon has a pre-release called Can't Control Myself. It drops on the 17th. Excited for that. And obviously Bam Bam's new album drops on the 18th. And the title track is called Slow Moon. The album's called B. And that's really exciting. And Wean is dropping the... Okay, so it's called We, at like W-H-E-E, and I really wish you would change it, but I get it. So I'm just like, okay, you know, like, like I get it, but also like We, I don't know, it's a Western thing, I guess. And yeah, I think those are the, the things that I'm most excited for. Like obviously Jay-Z, JB dropped like his Death Soul album. And I already bought it, but it doesn't come out to like the 28th or something like that. So I just have to wait for it to ship. But yeah, those are the the comebacks and the things that are yet to come that I'm like more excited about right now. Okay, Ash, what about you? I'm interested to see what Hyolin does. I tend to like the solo stuff that she puts out. So yes, I am definitely looking forward to that. WSJN, I guess this is another subunit, uh, Chokum. Yeah, it's from like Cosmic Girls. Yeah, it's their second, like I think this came before WSJN Black. So this is like their comeback for this. I have to to give them props for still going. I think that... Uh, that's cool that they're I mean from I was never like a huge fan of them but I always felt like for such a huge group they always have like nice concepts and pretty intricate interesting choreography so it's it's good to see that they're still going and Yuju 
from GFriend, I do remember her as having like the best voice in that group. So I'm wondering what kind of music she's going to do. I definitely think she could be another type of, I can't think of her name, but another like, you know, person that does songs for like dramas and uh, movies and things like that. More like adult contemporary, just because she definitely has the voice for it. Um, but maybe she'll go more in a, a pop like direction. So who knows? And then uh, Myungyul is interesting uh, because I found out, I saw about uh, the whole hullabaloo over her teaser, or I guess it was a full for her new song, Shut Down. Yeah, it was a pre pre release song. And it basically, you know, it was. Um, a like the video showed like her and the other singer that's on the song sorry sorry and it was basically a song about them like being like lovers um but not like in a sexual or like exploitative way it was just them being very like domestic and like you know normal and the song is basically about you know, making love with a woman and being in love with the woman. So a lot of people kind of interpreted that as me and Buell pretty much like coming out. And, you know, who knows? Because she has not, she has not obviously said anything about that officially. But it is interesting that, you know, she's been pretty roundly praised for it. And I think it's also uh, an interesting thing to mention that you know Mamamoo has a lot of female fans and she is also I think has a lot of lesbian fans or LGBTQ fans as well so and then also a lot of people praised it because apparently a lot of people the Korean lyrics are very particular in a way that makes it very clear that it's talking about like lesbian sex essentially and that is pretty much like a, a huge deal that she's being very like blatant and clear about that so yeah that definitely I didn't know she was coming out with music so that that definitely got my attention so whether or not Mew Buell is lesbian or not you know good for her for uh, writing a song about you know LGBTQ people in putting it out there in a conservative society and just, you know, just doing that. So, yeah. Okay, cool. I When I look at these debuts and comebacks, I'm gonna, you know, admittedly, I'm not very familiar with uh, too many like groups or idols in general that are debuting. I feel like I'm very excited for featured though, because I know like this year, because we we have a packed year ahead of us, I know that we're going to be covering some of these. So I'm excited for that. But in terms of the people who are coming back, I, I don't know. Last thing I heard from Eric Nam was really good, but to be fair, that wasn't his song. So I don't know like what the overlap is. Um, <clears throat> So that seems interesting. So I might have to take a listen to that since it's already out. I'm in terms of stuff that's not out yet. I'm kind of curious about both Mama Moo girls, like what they're doing. Just because 
Mamamoo has been real hit or miss for me. And I'm just curious to see what that looks like. I feel like that's the those are like the main ones that I'm like, oh, and healing. I, I will check that out too. I haven't yet, but I will, I promise. Yeah, other than that, I feel like I'm I'm open to looking at what everybody else has to offer, but I'm just not that familiar with everybody else. So I can't say like, oh, I'm super excited because I don't really know who they are, but I don't know their music that well. So yeah, but with that, I think it's a really good time that we move into the, we should have like a, a cute name for our topics. What should we call it? Like, you know how like the read has like hot tops and cold bottoms? <laughs> yeah, I'll need more brainstorming time than a, I don't have the uh, genius of Kid Fury to come up with that on the spot. <laughs> I suck at names what? and labels, so I would not be the one to come up with this. I apologize. <laughs> that, that is totally fine. We'll figure something out one day. We, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, tell us what's going on in the world of K-pop. There's a, a lot of stuff happening, like a lot of stuff. What's going on? Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's like K-pop didn't actually take that break that it normally does in December that we're used to it sort of just just kept going honestly like there were so many comebacks in December it was very strange <laughs> so yeah so basically like the first story is there is a virtual human created by LG LG Electronics obviously and they are going to be making their debut as a singer which is insane, but is also very much in line because Korea did create their first like virtual city, right? So they would def definitely be the place to have their first, you know, virtual human who's going to debut as a singer. So LG Electronics said Tuesday it had signed a memorandum, words, <laughs> memorandum of understanding with Mystic Story, a local music label to debut its virtual human ambassador and the name is Ria Kim. I hope I pronounced that properly. And basically Yoon, who is the singer-songwriter that leads Mystic Story, is going to oversee the project from writing songs to local training, to vocal training for Kim, which vocal training for this virtual human. Yes. <laughs> and according to Kim, the virtual human. I want to be an artist who not just makes music, but also communicates through, with the public through diverse artistic elements, such as visual art and fashion. And so Kim is an artificial intelligence-based virtual influencer who made their public debut last year. And they have 14,400 followers on Instagram, and they call themselves a singer-songwriter and DJ. According to LG, she is 23 year old and her name Ria stands for a child from the future in Korean. So yeah, what do you guys think about that? I I already I, saw this coming from a mile I'm away. I'm worried because I grew up on things like Terminator and Battlestar Galactica and it never ends <laughs> well with us when you start giving like machine, like you start first becoming too dependent on the machines and then you give them individual unique thought and it's like, why would they want to be slaves to humans? See, the key Hello. is that you got to have a fail safe. All yes. these like apocalypse scenarios where the, the machines go rogue is because they never put in a fail safe. I'm like, oh, it'll never happen. And then they get stomped over. So you, you got to put in you got to put in the switch. And when when they start going crazy, you cut that off. 
I don't know. I just feel like that's definitely... It's crazy how many movies there are about these types of things and how many movies there are about crooked cops. And then, like, when you you try to apply it to reality, people are like, but that is impossible. Like, that's crazy talk. No, it's not crazy talk. I don't know. Like, I just feel like, how is she writing songs? I mean, there's AI programs that can write articles, can write essays. So I guess it's something... It's, I mean... They can write whole scripts. I mean, it just, it's not like, obviously not as good as a person writing, but they can do something approximating something, you know? Yeah, I mean, I do see that there's going to be this like real push to virtual um, space, like AE stuff. I mean, we're already seeing it with Kwanga and we're also seeing it with these uh, virtual words, worlds that we're getting now from high B groups, you know, with BTS and TXT and, and hyphen and hyphen, mm-hmm. sorry. And so, like, we're definitely going to see more of that. I mean, like, so it's not, it, it isn't actually surprising. It's just, you know, I was watching, you know, The Matrix the other day and I was just like, hmm. I mean, we're already on this path. I see. It's fine. <laughs> I, all I have to say is I fear for our children. Um, yeah, I mean, Gen Z doesn't stand a chance. Gen Alpha really doesn't stand a chance. So I guess I am sort of Gen Z. So I don't know why, like I said it, like uh, they're my kids because they're not. But point. Yeah, the the future is a crazy place and it's already here. It's 2022, y'all. When you realize that. Yeah. It's already messed up. I mean, these <laughs> this this is how this is how you know we're in the future because I remember all of these outfits that these kids are wearing these days and how they're dressing these days. I remember when it was cool to do that because that was the first time people were doing it. <laughs> and not because it was like throwback nostalgia type situation. So it's weird because I feel like the this current generation is like not really creating anything of their own. They're just kind of reaching back and like redoing other people's stuff. Yes, to be fair, millennials did that too with the 80s. So Okay, yeah. But I mean I mean every generation does that to an extent. But I feel like with at least each generation has like an original thing that they like contribute, like style or inventions or things like that. I, I don't know with Gen Z or not Gen Z, yeah, Gen Z and Gen Alpha or whatever, you know, I just don't know if they, well, they just haven't done it yet. I'll just say that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the hopefully, I don't know, the youngest of them are still like in high school. I think some of them are in middle school even. Yeah. Mm, that might be too young, but they, mm-hmm. yeah, like early high school. So they have some time to grow. We'll see what happens. I don't have faith in any of the children of the future because their idols are going to be people like Kim. So, you know, there you there you go um <laughs> you know that reminds me i'm sorry but that, that <laughs> meme that was going around talking about are we the children that when you because i was a kid when that song came out and like i never thought about it that way but like that's the truth because it's like yo are millennials really the, the children that you thought you could believe in because i mean yeah. it's rough out in these streets eh but i agree with ash you know like the world's still obsessed with millennials for some weird reason, even though we are like old people now and they still want to blame us for stuff that we ain't do. Okay. Like we're not on TikTok like that guys. We're not, we're not the, the young kids anymore. Like you can't <clears throat> keep writing like, you know, um, 
no one's buying houses because millennials are selfish and want to live in apartments and work five jobs to live in those apartments. Like, come on, calm down. (laughs) Just calm down a bit. Just a bit, you know? But anyways, so yes, that is well, the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, well let, let, let's let's move forward. Yes. What's going on with Jay from day six? What's going on with that? Sounds Jay crazy, is but... like, you know, we like Jay. We have on this podcast defended Jay quite a bit, actually, in the past, because we do feel that there are some circumstances where he is there's misunderstandings, you know, like there's a bit of a culture clash in some cases. And sometimes, you know, K-pop fans are just sensitive. Like we've seen it. Okay. But this is definitely not one of those times. And so since Jay left JYP and day six, he has, you know, embraced certain behavior that is very popular on, you know, Twitch with his live streams and things like that. And, you know, he has made comments that were not very nice towards K-pop fans. But this is where he really did cross the line. He was trying to make, like, he was laughing. He's like, oh, you know, since I'm not in K-pop anymore, I can say this. And he was laughing. And he's like, Jamie, why are you such a thought? Or why do you look like a thought? And so, obviously, nobody was having it. I mean, you know, we have our own questions for Jamie. None of which are if she is a thought, because that's like really just gross and ridiculous. And Jamie did comment on it because, you know, she is friends with Jay. Like they both were JYP trainees and day six and she was in 15. And and so like it's not just the fact that he said this about somebody. He said it about his actual friend. And that was really, really messed up. And so Jay did come back with a response uh, like an apology but the apology itself was kind of like <laughs> I don't know like he came on he had his hair over his face so he wasn't actually like looking in the camera to show any sort of like that he was he was heartfelt and that he was trying like he meant it he was very non-committal and you know he didn't actually say much you know mm. And, but he did he did put out a statement where he was kind of just like he didn't he he thought the word meant something else, which is strange because you speak English. And there was actually somebody that showed that somebody had else had called him a, a thought like before that and he got upset about it. So he absolutely knew what the word was. He just did it because he thought it was funny. And and I think a lot of like incel humor is really like popular on on a platform like twitch and so if that's gonna be his new bag then he would have to fit in with that you know so i don't know i like i honestly think that jane needs like i'm not diagnosing him or anything like that but i did i definitely think that he went through a lot just living in korea and being a trainee and an idol and that you know there are it's a very rough life like I know that our these groups come out afterwards and they're all like, you know, it was a hard time, but I'm here and I'm happy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But like being a trainee is so not easy. Like the constant fear of not even debuting, even though you've put in all that work and knowing that you could work your ass off and never debut. Like that's just the way it works, right? Like it, that's stressful in itself. And then, you know, he's not born and raised in Korea. So the culture is different. So I think that there's, you know, Maybe he should seek 
professional help. I I honestly think that he should, to be quite honest with you, because he he comes across as like a mean and like a jerk a lot of the time. And I think he definitely needs, maybe it's from a place of anger and he needs like an outlet to sort of discuss that further. As I said, I'm not diagnosing him. I'm just saying that I used to like Jay. I used to defend Jay. Jay has come across as an asshole recently. And I feel like, especially if you see this apology, it's very, it's kind of uncomfortable to watch, to be quite honest with you. And maybe he should speak to a professional about it. That's just my opinion. I'm, I hope he does. I hope he gets better or gets help or, you know, just changes because this Jay is not it. This is not a Jay that I like, and this is not a Jay I would ever defend. So, yeah. You said that he wasn't, he didn't grow up in Korea. He's born and raised in Cali. So I'm pretty sure he like, he probably was scouted. I mean, I'd have to double check it which I'm doing right now. But I was pretty sure that he had like been scouted and then he went back there. Like, okay, so he's born in Argentina. So, I mean, it sounds like his family moves around. And then he moved to California and he stayed there, literally went to high school and studied political science. So yeah, he, and it's through high school and university, he ran his YouTube channel where he put in like, you know, songs and guitar covers and things like that. And then it was 2012 that he left university to do K-pop star. And then that's when he signed with JYPE. So he was an older guy. <laughs> he's, he was not a spring, like, he's not like, you know, JV and Jin Young who got in at like, I don't know, 14, 15 or something. I don't know how, however, they got in at two, in 2009, I think. So they're still quite young when they got in at JYP. He's not, he wasn't that. So he's like more like BM because BM went to college before he went to Korea too. So I don't think he finished, but he did definitely start college. So he should definitely, I I think that there is definitely going to be a culture clash in that sense, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel like moral of the story for me is I, I, I was put off by the whole situation because I was also a J defender, not very often. And also, admittedly, I didn't know much about him, but I did like empathize with like some of the things that were going on in that situation. But I just I don't this is why you can't like invest in people because like they will always that's why they, they always say like your favorite celebrity should be dead celebrities or the people you defend should be like dead because yeah, they can't continue to do stupid stuff right and i don't know like this whole situation is just so gross and i and i kind of just want to touch a little bit more too on like all of the like the pettiness that happened after he left day six of like saying of the whole thing, you know, I'm not an idol more anymore. So I can say this and da, 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 and like K-pop fans are stupid and all that stuff. And I'm like, if there's one thing I dislike more than like, I, cause to me, that's what's the word. Like that's kind of gross. Like that's really gross to me. Like obviously like the stuff with Jimin is super gross. Like I'm not trying to downplay that. What I'm trying to say is is, like to kind of give another perspective on the stuff with like the stuff he was saying about, um, you know, K-pop fans and this, that, and the other. I just feel like, dude, but you were like making bank off of them like months ago. Like, I don't know. It's just weird to me. I can understand disliking the industry you're in and even to some extent disliking like some of your fans. I can totally get that. 
I don't understand insulting the intelligence of people who did nothing to you. And like these people were putting money in your pockets. Like they like I, I don't that's incongruous to me. To me, that's how you can tell if somebody's you know how they say how they always say like if you want to know what kind of person a person is, watch how they treat like a waiter or like watch how they treat people in like the service industry. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what this reminds me of. It's like if you want to see somebody's true character, like see what happens when they're no longer benefiting from you, you know? It just stands out to me. So also to lighten the mood, you can tell Nat has definitely never been to California. <laughs> she <laughs> called it Cali. And I thought that was funny because nobody from California calls California Cali. <laughs> I've never been. So yes, I'm, yeah. I would be an app. But you've been to Vegas, right? I've been to Vegas. Yes. They're so close. You could have just like driven to like LA. It was right I there. actually went to the Grand Canyon and when I went to Vegas. So that's in uh, Nevada. So you went to Nevada, but you okay. didn't go to Vegas. Okay. I didn't even know it was that close until we were on our way to the Grand Canyon because we took like a tour or bus or whatever. And I saw there were signs right. to California. And I was like, is it that close? Mm. Like, I mean, yes. crazy big, a lot going on there. I'm from Canada. I mean, you can only live in certain parts. So like, it's it's a very different world, okay? <laughs> Moral of the story, Nat be roasting people for not knowing geography, but then she said that Vegas was the Grand Canyon. Very cute. We love to see it. No, no, um, no. I knew it was in Nevada. I was just explaining that I did go to the Grand Canyon, which is in Nevada. Oh, so you yeah. knew that Nevada was a state. Yeah, I know Nevada's a state. <laughs> I know that much. <laughs> That's why I was like cracking up because I was like, Nat, did you just, I thought you were like, I didn't know Vegas and Nevada were like the same place. But um, yes, any more thoughts about Jay from day six before we move on to another Jay? Yeah, Jay, get better. Be better, please. That's that's all I really want to say. Learn about something from this, please. I it, it really is about like what you do after you've made a mistake. You know, like if you want, if you do better and you like show that you are remorseful, then that's yeah. Because this is, I feel like this is the kind of mistake that's also like not like a fatal mistake. No, like, you it's didn't not. do a slingery, like right. <laughs> you know, like you could come back from this. But um, exactly. Speaking of Jays who can come back from things, a park is trying to make some idols come back what's going on with that so jay park lied because he said he was going to retire okay he stepped down from aomg and higher music this year and so we were kind of just like okay so he's just gonna sell whiskey and maybe like be a shareholder or something you know be more behind the scenes and we wouldn't have to put up with any more cultural appropriation and just not taking advice from people who manage you but that was not the case. <laughs> Jay Park is has as it has been announced will be set is going to set up a new agency to create an IO group. So he basically so I guess this is an industry representative commented just like JYP successfully created a large number of idol groups with his colors Park will, will be able to bring a new wave to the music industry by producing idols with his own style. And so on January 11th, Cacao Entertainment responded to the report saying Jay Park is an artist with talent in various fields as a singer and producer. And we are currently discussing various types of business partnerships, but nothing has been specifically confirmed. 
So yeah, it seems as if Jay Park is going to go into the idol business, which is funny because he had so he talked a lot of shit about idols. Like after he got kicked out of 2 p.m. Obviously, some of it was motivated because he claims that he was blackballed and by JYP and and JYPE. So that could have been the reason. But you know, he has been very much like on the hip hop r&b tip and you know they don't really look good like they don't really look that well on idols but he, maybe he softened after he signed yu gi and jb and he saw the money potential he was like maybe i too need that bag and so that's what we're getting what do you guys think yeah i mean i i think in in of the same mind as you that he sees people getting the bag and he's realizing that that's where the money is. And so he's sacrificing all his ethics and morals for money, which something we all do, something we all have in common. We all have sold our souls to the devil once or twice. We're not going to shame you for that. I just think this whole thing is interesting. And I kind of actually want to see what this idol group is going to look like. Ash, what about you? I, you and Jay Park have a long history, so... We have no such thing. I just call him out like you all do. It's not a it's not a history. But yeah, it's just obviously, you know, like Nat said, after all of the, you know, comments he's made about idols and the idol system and, and setting himself up as being better than that and not a you know, not about that. It's just very it's very interesting that he's like Jamin said, obviously it's, it's money, you know, him trying to take a piece of that pie where, while, you know, K-pop is hot right now, but the fact that he's himself is, is partaking in the industry that he said he went away from and had all these nasty things to talk about and this and that is very telling, I believe about the kind of person that he is. And, you know, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not mad at it because it's hard out here in these streets to make money. And I would definitely, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I probably would do some questionable things for money as well, too. If we're talking like a K-pop bag. So, I mean, hey, who am I to judge? Uh, well, who am I going to judge on the K-pop thing? I can judge Jay Park on all the other stuff because he's highly judgeable. But anyways, <laughs> the next story is about K-pop and the NBA, which is not as crazy as it should be. So Bam Bam has recently been chosen as a global ambassador for the NBA, NBA basketball team, the Golden State Warriors, home of the Curry curries i guess but really just one curry and when we discussed this before i forgot his name and i just described him as a light-skinned guy but you know i obviously oh, hold on <laughs> and, and, and don't forget don't forget the killing part she remembered andrew wiggins but she didn't remember <laughs> steph curry <laughs> make it make sense actually you know what's funny even as i was talking about it right now i couldn't remember his first name i was like i know his last name is curry that man's first name but to be quite fair Andrew Wiggins is also Canadian so I just generally know Canadians in sports okay like it's just the default I'm sorry okay and I I am not a Golden State fan either so I wasn't like 
I don't really pay attention to them. I just basically pay attention to whatever team LeBron's on, to be very honest. But anyways, uh, <laughs> so Bam Bam says I he has a lot of things planned. <laughs> so Bam Bam did say that there's a lot of things coming, especially for the American fans. And so I'm Canadian. So by extension, I'm kind of connected. We have a team, the Toronto Raptors. They ha- have won, you know, once. And not gonna, not like, this is really fun fact. But when they won in like, was it 2019? I, my yes. exact words at the time was, this is a sign that the end is near. Because you, when you think about Toronto, you do not think basketball. So that was very troubling to me personally. And then what happened? Corona. Not to say that that was a sign of crazy stuff to happen, but I am saying that I did say that at the time, that it was very, it, 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 it felt like, you know, one of those omens or the signs right before the end. So there's Mm. that. And the second, I guess, piece about this is that Minho from Shiny, our favorite rapper, is going to, he, well, he was to guest commentate on Korean broadcast of an NBA game. So basically he was going to uh, be a commentator for a game with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. I watched that game live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you would. Yeah. Because you're a Bucks fan, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't even know that Meadow was like into basketball, but I'm not surprised because basketball like culture is really huge in Korea. Like, Jordans are everything. They have NBA stores out there. I think maybe too, maybe the NBA seeing what happened, what went down in China during the whole Hong Kong thing, they're trying to pivot and find other markets <laughs> to bring money in. So I definitely think this is going to be the year we're going to see a lot more K-pop fans or say K-pop idols and, and connecting with basketballs and becoming ambassadors and, and commentating and things like that. So yeah. I'm any excited. thoughts? Yeah. Excited? Well, first and if foremost, I, yeah. I, I have to say this. So the fact that he was doing the Bucks Nets game is incredible because obviously I love the Bucks and that connection right there. I want to actually listen to this now. So I wonder if there's a place to like see the aired broadcast. But I thought that was funny. And I think it's kind of cute to, that there's this like crossover. I want to see more of this. I'm all for it. I love to see Bam Bam out here as well. I will say this about the Bam Bam thing though. The Warriors have a lot of like fake fans. They have a lot of people who are like fans just because they're a good team. Like, you know, like bandwagoners, which, okay, whatever. But also I noticed that a lot of those fans tend to be like, how do I say this? Warriors have a lot of fans that are like, have a huge international presence. And I feel like they tend to be the only team that most people, if you if you were to ask the average person anywhere in the world, name a basketball team or like name a basketball player, it's either going to be LeBron, Jordan, or Curry. And it's either going to be Warriors, Lakers, or Bulls because of Jordan. Um, so yeah. it's kind of like a, does that make you an NBA fan? I don't know. I mean, not you don't have to be, but I'm just saying like, it's like it's a kind of like an easy team to like support and be an ambassador for you don't have to really do, do too much work because they win a lot and they have a lot of fans already all over the world so 
I don't know. I'm just happy for Bam Bam. This is cool. I'm happy for the Warriors. This is, I can't wait to see him during the NBA finals. He better be posted up. Well, that's me assuming the Warriors will make it, but they probably will. Let's be they real. They definitely will. So basically, hey, Bam Bam they has. Weren't there last year, but... Oh, really? I've... Okay. Well, basically, Bam Bam has been telling fans to vote for Stephen Curry and this Andrew Wiggins. Stephen Curry. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, he's. Bam Bam's asking these people to vote for them. Uh, to be at the all-star games which are things i i have steadily watched the all-star games since i was a child so i mean and i'm not as into basketball as much as i am i used to be because i i pivoted directly into tennis and that's where i stay but i mean i and i have seen a lot of primers from like agassi fans about basketball and somebody was like the championship is like the day is like a day saying for basketball so what? that's how that's what? going. <laughs> <laughs> Why you shouldn't need to like translate <laughs> basketball to like it's obvious what a championship is. It's higher than a day saying. Like it's it's more important than a day. Like what? That's like so, like that's like that's like assuming somebody doesn't know what a gold medal in tennis is. Like yeah. it's called the championship. It's clearly the biggest award. Like we don't need you to like make the connection i I, i've seen so much stuff about i've seen so much stuff about basketball from like following members of god seven that i actually had to unfollow on twitter the topics of anything god seven related because it was all basketball good for them it's insane to be quite honest but you know everybody enjoys you I'm just happy that Bam Bam and the boys and Minho, they're spreading the NBA propaganda. I'm happy that they're specifically spreading the Milwaukee Bucks propaganda. Make sure you vote for Giannis for All-Star. Uh, you don't have to vote for anybody else. Just vote for Giannis. And that's it. <laughs> right. So the next story is about Very Very's Min Chen, who had to issue an apology for his comments about his former classmates' looks. So basically he said that he, okay, so he was on Navers Be Live and with his fellow members, Ho Young and Kangmin. And he said that when he was in the third year of middle school, a female student who was an idol transferred to his school. He commented, my fantasy about celebrities was crushed. Her looks weren't very extraordinary either. So as you can tell, people did not like that very much. And the video has since been deleted, but Twitter never forgets. And so he did issue an apology. He said, hello, this is Min Chan. I seriously apologize to any to everyone who felt uncomfortable with my words and actions on January 6th broadcast of Live, so that the same thing does not happen in the future. I will be someone who is careful with what he says and acts seriously about everything. I will also contact her directly and apologize to her. I deeply reflect on my actions and rash words and apologize once more. So wait, do we know who he was talking about? I don't know who he was talking about. I'm sure the internet streets know who he was talking about because, I mean, if if you know what school he went to, you'll know what idols were there. And Fair. I mean, I'll, I'll look at the comment on I'll look at the comments on this like Omona post to see if any anybody like knows who this person is. I don't really feel like calling them out, anyways. Like this man basically no, said, but I'm saying yeah. it, like him saying he'll uh, personally apologize to her yeah. makes me wonder like how would she know that you're talking about her. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it, I think anybody who went to school with them would probably like. It sounds like they know. 
And that's why this thing blew up the way that it did. And I mean, like, how, like, why would you even think that's a story to share? Like, oh, I went to school, you know, I was in middle school and this idol transferred over and my God, was she ugly? Like, she was so ugly. I just never, I could not believe in, in idols looks anymore. Like, why would you think that's a story to share? Like, and because- I actually feel like I, yeah. Well, I actually feel like I have a couple thoughts about this though. So like, I agree with you. Like, why is that a story you share? You share. I do think that's a really stupid story. Like, what is the context there? Like, yeah. <laughs> why, why are you just telling us this? But I also have to say too, like, so I'm not gonna lie y'all. My first reaction when I read that this is what he said was like, okay so does he think his fans are gonna think the same thing about him like like oh my god i see you in person and you look gross like i was, up to him, so I was like oh i just saw you in person and now, you know like, he doesn't you know he thinks he's probably the hottest thing walking and i don't know who, i don't know what you're talking about but people that say stuff like that tend to like think very highly of themselves well, just just Google Minchan very, very and then report back on that. <laughs> there was a comment that in like because he was there with his 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 members and both guys pointed out that she, the female idol, would be his a Sunday to him. And he still refused to address her as such, like throughout the broadcast. So it's not just the fact that he called her ugly. Oh, but so he, he was being disrespectful. Yeah, he was very disrespectful to her as well, too. I don't really know much about Very Very, and I definitely don't know much about this guy, but now I remember this when I think about Very Very, and that's mm-hmm. not a good Every thing. single time. That is hey, not but you good, know what? The second thing I want to say to that is like, oh, yes. generally, usually with stuff like this, I might give it a benefit of the doubt because I might go, you know what, like, there's nothing inherently wrong with feeling like somebody's unattractive. And it's also not misogynistic to be like, she's unattractive to me. Right. No. But I think what makes the, get, this get, there's a couple things that gives this like an added layer of insidiousness. The first part of it is one, I feel like the way K idol culture is set up and the way the men in that culture are set up, I can't help but feel like this was like, this had kind of like misogynistic undertones just because the way it's set up the culture Two, the fact that he refused to respect her in terms of like because you can think somebody is ugly as sin and still respect them i mean we all know we got those people out there so i don't it's about being a decent I, person. to me that makes me feel like you were just a jerk exactly yeah because here's the thing, even if you did feel that way, that's like another layer of it too, right? Yeah. So like, even if you do feel that way and you, you say that, don't say it on a live when people can easily deduce who you're talking about and then you embarrass her. Oh, why have to make say her it? feel bad? Oh, why have to say it at all? You know, obviously you you are that's having true. some issues with your own self that, that you have to put down other people. I mean, I guess I'm looking at more from most of from the perspective of as human beings, when you're with your friends, you're going to have conversations, share certain thoughts. And I'm not trying to like fault fault people for being like, I don't think unless you were just being an asshole about it, like, oh, this person was ugly as sin or something like actually saying that. But if you were like just saying, you know, I've met, you know, a celebrity and I wasn't that they weren't that attractive. I mean, I feel like that's like a not. I mean, Okay. A horrible yeah. thing to say you know what i mean like Beauty is you don't have to be attracted to some to everybody like that's not that's ridiculous you do but have, like, like you should be respectful especially yeah, yeah, yeah. especially like you're on v like come on out 
but I, like I said, like for me, that's the big thing. I, like I take away from that because, like, I don't know. Like, you people say things about people. Okay, yeah. that's not inherently at the level of like some of the things we've been seeing in K-pop with like racism and and all of these different things. And I'm not trying to say like sexism isn't an issue because it is. But what I'm saying is, is like on its own, I could see how it could be just something like you say in passing to your friends that you whatever. But when you add in all the context, it just feels dirty. It feels dirty. Yeah. And honestly, like once again, like what was the whole point of you telling this story, right? Like exactly. what like what were they supposed to glean from this? What were like your fans supposed to glean from this? You know what I mean? And I think too, why it was like doubly sort of insidious is that it came out around the same time as the J the J and Jamie thing. So a lot of people were just like, ah, oh, here we go again. You know, like misogyny in in K-pop is, you know, we I mean, we know it exists. But it definitely feels like it, it like it was kind of like a two four, like right at the beginning of the year, like very strange. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that. I hope, always, I, oh, go ahead. Nat. Oh, no, I was, was going to like just end it and say, like, I, I hope that, you know, he learns from this at the very least. I mean, the apology itself sucked, but, he, you know, maybe he did learn from something from this because I don't understand how like you can be like, oh, from now on, I will be serious. What? Like, what What was, were you not being serious? Like, I, I'm so confused about the whole thing, to be honest. Like, the yeah, whole, yeah, no, I will be very serious about everything. What the fuck? I mean, this is dumb as going into reflection. It's just right. empty words. But right. I will say that, like, whenever these type of things come up, it always makes me think because I feel like, I'm sure everyone isn't like this, but I feel like, when you hear about these type of things, you have to sort of think about how much of that is reflected in the culture itself, because obviously in like South Korea, I mean, there's just, I think in general, even if the men don't have, the men don't have to be like feminist haters or part of the MRA or whatever, but I feel like just in general, there is still a feeling of patriarchy there and women have their role and their place and they're supposed to be a certain way and this and that. And it's interesting to me that even the fans, like K fans are different because they're obviously from Korea, but with the international fans, we, you talk about how much they know these guys and they would be like this and like that. But then you have interviews where they talk about, oh, my ideal woman would be quiet and would never make noise and would always do the dishes and have my dinner ready for me and always have her face looking right and does a lot of egg (laughs) yolks yeah I mean those type of things and it's like it's very intrinsic and it's the thing that like the men it's just and like I said I'm sure it's not everyone but it's it's a cultural thing so it's like what do you I mean I I just don't understand like the people that don't see that like how they're going to be affected by that culture and and be a certain way and be like oh no he's different they meet different people they've changed and like I said I'm sure everyone isn't like that but I feel like it's this intrinsic thing that's a general feeling amongst men there like it's just a different I think a lot of people don't follow Korean news for that reason, because they don't want the reality of what men in Korea are and the social norms for 
gender specifically are in Korea. Mm -hmm. So that's why you notice a lot of people don't really care about learning more about Korea outside of their group and the language itself so they can communicate. Because if they did, they would realize that with the rise of the alt-right, which is basically everywhere at this point, it's a rising Mm -hmm. force everywhere in incel culture and things like that, that more idols than than not are probably, you know, sharing these same beliefs, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we I think we've talked about it before and how, you know, when they go to international, when they're doing international tours, like, you know, they'll put up the LGBT flag and they'll be like, we believe in you should love who you want to love. But then they go back to Korea where the jokes are very, you know, can be quite misogynistic and they fall right into it. You know, it's a, com- it's a comfortable place because that's the type of humor and entertainment that they're used to. And so I think that a lot of people wouldn't, I'm not surprised to be quite honest, but uh, I think there's generally a lot of people who would be surprised to know the real thoughts on like LGBTQ plus and race that their idols have behind closed doors when they're with their friends, when they're with their families. So yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel like this is not surprising to me. I mean, I've literally heard idols say that like if their daughter doesn't listen to them, they'd smack them and, you know, say like, oh, I don't want to, I I would never date a fat girl because even though I'm fat, she can't be fat or like date a woman. Yeah. Date a girl over 30. Why would I do that? There's so many things I've heard from idols that I'm just never date an idol, even if I could, because yeah, you guys are weird. And this, this culture is not everybody's like that, obviously. Yeah. But I've seen enough of it to be like, I think that this might be more than we think or that people are comfortable with thinking about. So yeah yeah so uh well i guess this is gonna be like a bit of a bts sort of vlog. it's not don't worry listeners not gonna be very long so fans were upset about the cost of bts merchandise Uh, so basically on january 3rd bts hosted a v live where they're introducing the first of their hand designed official merchandise and it was like kind of cool because it was in the line of like the home shopping theme of the broadcast and so they showed like these pajamas that Jen personally designed called Good Day and Bad Day. And it was like themed pajamas and pillows. But the price were like $100 US for the pajamas and $60 US for the pillows. And so people were not very happy because, you know, I think we've seen a lot of people complaining about the price of merchandise, not just at high B with BTS, but also like just in general for K-pop things are very expensive. I mean, in Canada, if I buy an album, it's like 40 bucks. So, you know, it is not a cheap hobby or thing to like. And so a lot of fans were complaining and, you know, people were saying like, it's high quality. Of course it's going to be that price. But also like, I remember there was a story like last year, the year before where BTS fans in Korea were receiving very defective material and products and they didn't but they didn't say anything because they didn't want to sully the name and so i i'm not sure how the quality really is or if that justifies the price and do you get free shipping like how does this work and then also to so two the grammys have been postponed so i think there's a rumor going around that it's going to come back in april so we'll have to wait for bts to win their grammy And then there was another story that's not complete, that's not directly related to BTS, but Billboard did make some changes to their charts. So 
Billboard oh. has introduced new rules for the Hot 100 and other charts effective immediately. So it's only one digital sale will be counted per customer per week for songs and albums. So there's no more bulk purchases of two or more. Uh, and so if you see that, like that was a tweet that Chart Data put out. Underneath it is just complaints from people with numbers in their handle. Like not only them, but majority of them so that's why i do feel it is sort of related to bts and also because when they were interviewed i can't remember who interviewed them if it was like vogue or billboard themselves or whatnot but there was a conversation that they had asked them basically about like you know game in the charts and aram said that if there is a conversation inside billboard about what being number one should represent then it's up to them to make the changes so to change the rules and make streaming way more on the ranking slamming us or our fans for getting to number one with physical sales and downloads i don't know if that's right it just feels like we're easy top targets because we're a boy band a k-pop act and we have this high fan loyalty so i don't know if this is like billboard being like okay bet <laughs> but <it's> like, <laughs> yeah billboard asked him that themselves yeah, and people them. were like up in arms about it they're like how dare they insult them blah 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 blah, blah. i was like okay whatever yeah, so people like I, I mean, there's a lot of people who are trying to make it seem like, oh, they're hurting people because now you can't like, I guess streaming is cheaper, like obviously streamer, streaming is cheaper than purchasing the actual digital copy, right? So they're like, oh, this is really just going to hurt the people, the fan, like the, the smaller artists and the people like we're not making money off of music. But I, I think that's I, I don't think they care that much about people other than whoever their fave is at the time whether it's nikki or taylor or bts or like whoever like a lot of these like a lot of the people who put in the work for things like streaming and you know buying and chart positions and stuff like that they don't give a fuck about other people they're not in it for other artists like smaller name brand names and things like that they're in it for their group so right yeah Mm -hmm. i think one thing that's telling about this is one of the top tweets like under the the billboard tweet is a is an army who posted a picture where it was like BTS before your opinion, BTS after your opinion, and it's like one like a stadium that's lit up. For some reason, this concert looks like a Direction concert because One Direction used to have a stage just like this. But I digress. Point is, is it goes back to what you're saying. They don't care about the little guy. I I don't know. Good on Billboard for taking a stance. I guess I have beef with Billboard for other reasons. You know what? No, yeah, it's not really with Billboard. My beef is more so with Rhea or the recording blah, blah, blah agency. Um, so, which is a whole other class of beef that BTS can only hope to be in. And in case you're wondering what that beef is, it's when they were basically messing up on the Thriller certification. So they made it seem like, I, I think it was the Beatles, or no, no, the Eagles, I think. They tried to make it seem like the, the Eagles had surpassed Thriller, but we all know that that's not the case Anyway, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe BTS might get a Diamond album. What do you guys think? Their fans have the money for it. Why not? I mean, I don't think that's going to I've always any... wondered but why they haven't, though. Like, if we... Yeah, you have the money for it, and I guess, I guess you might have the fan base, but if you really if you really have it like that, why hasn't it happened, I guess? Because I knowing like, them... Yeah, I feel like even... Like, there's even with them, there's a threshold, right? Because, they yeah, they have a lot of fans, but there's still a limit right like they're they don't 
have that's fans. what I was thinking. Then you'll have millions and millions and millions of fans, right? And then those fans are still were bulk buying and, and mass streaming. So you add on to that. So I feel like even with them, there's a limit. Very few artists get diamond albums. Get diamond, and yeah. And that's for a reason. That's for a reason. Yeah, I think you definitely would have to have like actual general public on your side for something like mm-hmm. that one because they're gonna it's not just your fan base that you want to be buying you want random people on the street being like oh this is nice i want to listen to this and i don't think anybody in k-pop has really like even though they are charting more you know they are selling there's more million sellers than before and like all this kind of stuff like like let's be real like nobody still really knows what these people are doing to be quite honest every time i see somebody on a chart like every time i see somebody on a chart it's like okay, that's nice and all because the fans did it. But like, I if I were to literally walk on the street and be like, have you listened to, you know, I don't know, Bam Bam's Ribbon? People would be like, what is that? You know, and he has like 63 million views and it was number one in like 40 something countries. You know, like it it just that's is what it is. like the craziest thing. Like how you, how I just remember when K-pop started to spread, like went through that next big boom, like in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I more so remember the 2018 part of it because I was not here in 2017. But I just remember when people started reacting to K-pop for the first time, people would look and go, this video has 200 million views. I've never heard of this group before. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really fun. That, like, that's honestly what, what, it, what it is like in K-pop. It's like there will be a, like groups that just do these incredible things and no one knows who they are. So... Uh, I I feel like as an artist, going back to the stuff Rat Monster was saying, I feel like as an artist, right, there's something to be said about the respect that comes with gaining those those listens and gaining those like that support from a genuine place. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm an artist, the best way that you can the best I feel like the best feeling is when people accept your work, but when it's like people from so many different backgrounds right so that's where you get like your all-time greats like your all-time greats have people i I even think to stuff like not that i think nirvana is particularly like an all-time great band but i even look at like nirvana right like nirvana is relevant to kids born in 2005 right like that's something that's that that i feel as an artist is more fulfilling to me than just having one person who buys everything that i do just because it's me and they're physically attracted to me. Right. Like, I I don't know. There's gotta be some sort of integrity issue there. So it's just very telling to me where their priorities are. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't look, get your money. Like I support people who are legally and ethically getting their money, right. Do what you need to do. But the fact of the matter is, is like, if you want to portray yourself as an artist, how do you reconcile voluntarily giving up your integrity and 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 also trivializing the importance of general public i don't know how do you reconcile that with this this artiste like image that you want to put out there you know what and I, mean? I think also too it makes certain groups that you know sit there and you know, talk about, oh, well, we deserve this award and that award, or we aren't getting recognized because of race and all these other issues. It really trivializes that sort of thing and and makes you look 
a certain way because it's you are not producing the type of material that would be award worthy. And B, like you said, you don't have general public support. You have a core group of fans that is buying up everything and you're very successful in that way. But you're wanting this kind of recognition and awards for it that you honestly haven't earned. Yeah, I think that like, see, okay. I definitely, for me, I always agree. I personally just don't think that the quality in K-pop has been consistently good enough to be like, it's completely a racist thing. You know what I mean? I think that there's definitely like people who are making really fantastic fun things that doesn't have to be deep or anything like that is just like really really great but I don't think consistently that k-pop is producing the type of music that their sales are representing you know there is there definitely is an issue of people not embracing it because it's foreign there's definitely that I don't think that we can discount that even if the quality of the song is not great because I mean, there are some things that are charting over here and like in you guys' country that are not, you know, that great either, but they're still charting, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. I totally get that. But I like the whole K-pop thing is you understand that your market is completely dependent on capitalism. Capitalism is literally ruining the planet but you don't care about it because you're still making money. And I think that that's probably my only issue. I feel like if everything was biodegradable and it was like not like ending up in like, you know, orphanages and shit like that in Korea, I feel like I wouldn't have a problem with the mass production and the mass consumption of K-pop goods. But because it is so bad for the planet and they keep saying, no, now we're focusing on, you know, environmentally friendly products. You're still using plastics. You're still you there's these photo cards and stuff like that. They're not biodegradable. You know, I just, I just think that there has to be a more environmentally friendly way to do this. And if they did have find one that was, I wouldn't actually even care about, you know, the payola, Sejigi, you know, all this. I wouldn't care at all about any of this stuff, to be honest. It's because people will spend money on what they want to spend money on. The only thing I care about is when they're trying to use that to justify them, say, winning a Grammy. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that they learned last year that after the whole, this is akin to the civil rights movement, article that they had on Weavers. I think they learned from that because their mm. conversations have been very different this year. It has definitely not been on the level of appropriation and minimization of issues where people were dying, you know? Yeah. So I do think that they learned from that. I don't know. I'm not saying that they read my article, but I'm saying that they did definitely learn something and the conversations have pivoted. So I'm not even looking at that in the same way as much anymore. And they're definitely legitimate calls to racism and just like xenophobia and things like that there are definitely because i mean we know how things are over here so i mean it, it's not you know, beyond the shadow of doubt that that could also be an issue but just because you like sticker and i mean i love sticker i think sticker is a fantastic song i listen to that all the time but just because you like sticker doesn't mean that sticker should win the grammy doesn't mean that sticker is the greatest song of all time you know just chill a bit chill a bit please just yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
but also too i can't even be mad because they know where they're they know where their their paychecks come from and it's from fan loyalty yeah so of course of course they're gonna say things that people are gonna agree with i mean as long as it's not bullying it's okay bullying of you know other of, of people who don't like them or who are not into their music i i honestly don't really i mean i expect it from everybody because i see it from all the i see it from every single idol every single idol is going to say what their fans want to hear and so like i i don't know i just feel like this whole thing is is this whole thing with billboard and this whole like grift thing because i think honestly i think k-pop merchandise is a grift and i think that it's like i mean like every time i see something like the nft stuff i'm just like this is the biggest scam on the planet. How do I get in on this scam? Because <laughs> I feel like K-pop fans are highly scammable. I'm sorry. I am also a K-pop fan and I have also bought things from artists. So, I mean, and it's just because it's my favorite artist. I was actually like, oh, I wonder if Van Am's going to get a Golden State Warrior jersey. Would I, like, I would never before this have even thought about buying a Golden State Warriors jersey. But I was like, if it had Van Am on the back, buy it i don't know so i mean like i'm including myself in the whole idea of k-pop fans being highly scammable okay so so the whole merchandise thing and people getting pissed I'm, you can get upset all you want you're gonna still buy it the day that yeah. that shit is released you guys are gonna be on that site you're gonna be on weavers hell we should be on weavers that day buying stuff okay because <laughs> the resale value alone is going to be bananas okay so i don't know at this point i feel like there's so many so much going on in the world that i just my opinions on a lot of this stuff is mostly in a place where i was like you know what who cares <laughs> like, yeah it's fun to have a discussion about it, but at the end of the day does it really even matter i don't know i don't i, I don't know honestly bts wins a grammy it it'll just be a thing that happens it'll be just like another you know, feather in their cap. I'm not going to, I'm still going to think that, you know, Dynamite's a garbage song. So I don't really think it's going to change anything, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Sorry. I think I got a bit serious there. So let's dial it back. <laughs> all right. Oh, we're not going to dial it back because we're all right. So there was a story recently about a, a Chinese idol who had disrespected South Korean tradition. And this is a story on the um, South China Morning Post. And it says, K-pop girl group Everglades Chinese singer Wang Yurin subjected to racist attacks in South Korea for not kneeling before fans. So while other members knelt down and touched their foreheads to the floor in traditional Korean style, Wang used a Chinese hand gesture. Wang and her management have not commented, commented on the issue the incident but announced she would be returning to china for an extended period so i did know that yurin was going back to china because i had actually seen something about that before i didn't know that it was linked to anything like this i thought initially that she's probably been stuck in korea with all the comebacks and promotions and things like that she just hasn't had time to go home because i don't mean all these pcr tests things like that so i just assumed that she just didn't have the time to go and now she's finally going home so i was like oh that's nice great for her now we know that it's because of this 
Yes. So basically they had an event on January 2nd to greet fans in Seoul. And as I said, everybody um, had knelt in the traditional Korean style and she had not. Uh, so in Chinese culture, kneeling down is seen as an act of, I guess, servitude or submission in some way, more like servitude, and is no longer considered appropriate. Whereas in Korea, it remains in use as a way to greet others and offer thanks. So her gestures were widely praised in China, but South Koreans were not having it. Not at all. So mm-hmm. yeah, so this story is widely like being circulated and, and talked about in South Korea right now. And, but I haven't seen it at all on Twitter. <laughs> Which is insane when you think about it, right? I'd seen just that she was taking a break. I'm like, oh, great, cool. But I had not seen anybody talking about the reason for it. So it's very interesting that it's a trending topic in Korea, but on the international space like Twitter, I guess unless you're an Everglow fan, you don't really know about it. Which also shows the disconnect, I guess, between conversations mm-hmm. in Korea and the conversations in international communities, right? So uh, yeah, what do you guys think? I'm wondering if this is also a part of the tension between Korea and China, because you think about it, like now we're at a space where having foreign members and Korean K-pop groups is normal, right? So I'm thinking, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong because I've never really paid much attention, but I'm just thinking if someone has an American member or even an American non-Asian member, and they come out to fans, is that member expected to also kneel down and bow as customary? I assume so. Because I, I mean, like I've never seen any, but at the same time, I don't know. So I yeah, was just wondering. The members of God 7 have definitely done like the traditional bow. Bam Bam is, I mean, Bam Bam has been in Korea since he's been like 11 or something though. So he's been here in there for a very long time. But even for Tosuk, he donned like the outfit and he was on Sugi's show and they were doing like traditional Korean things. I was just wondering about, and you know, this isn't a widespread thing, so it may not even, it's probably negligible at this point. But say a group, if by chance a group like Black Swan ever, you know, became popular enough to have a lot of fans out there and they would do that sort of thing, the Black member of Black Swan, I guess, would she be expected to do the same thing? Yeah, actually, I haven't thought about that because I've never really seen like Black Swan at fan events to mm-hmm. know if that's something that Fatou has had to do. Mm-hmm. But I have seen other fans, other members from not just God Seven, like Twice and all these groups where they have foreign members who do the Cre- who basically adopt the Korean culture when it comes to fan interactions. I'm just wondering if it's more if it's easier for other Asian. And and I know Asian countries, they all have distinct cultures, obviously with the whole thing with China and Korea, Mm -hmm. that's very obvious. But I'm just wondering if it's easier to adopt that mindset as opposed to someone from a Western country. Because at Mm -hmm. least in Asian countries, they all have some sort of system of bowing or, or around it. Whereas in the West, that's not, that's just not a part of our communication you know so I I just wondered like I said there's not really a lot of opportunities situations where that would come up at this point so it's you know well I would think that like just personally I I would think that being from like Canada or America or stuff like that it's probably easier 
because there's less tension. I think between a country like China and South Korea, which has notoriously had issues and tensions to the point where there was that whole, like, they were banning basically Koreans from touring there. And only recently they decided that they were going to air Korean drama out there, like, as it was airing, because they had put, like, a bit of a media block on it. So I think mm-hmm. that, especially with China's extreme stance on a lot of things, it's it is it does put Chinese idols in a very uncomfortable position. And even with the whole Hong Kong thing, people didn't really want to speak out. And Jackson Wang from China is like a thing that he does all the time, you know. So I think that you have to be very careful when you're from a, a country like China, which is so powerful and has so many people and you you want to go back to your home. So you kind of have to navigate the waters a little bit more precariously than if you're from like Toronto. Like, who gives a fuck if Mark Lee is is kneeling down? Like, you know, you know know what's interesting? So I'm actually looking too more into, you know, what how like everyday Korean people on the Internet netizens. I don't know why I said it like netizens who I guess aren't really everyday Korean people because a lot of them do not represent the total population. But point is, I'm looking at what they're saying and I'm also looking at what uh, was being said on Weibo about this. Mm-hmm. And like on Weibo, you know, in Chinese and also in Chinese media in general, like one of the headlines on the article is like, Chinese only kneel for the heavens, the earth and their parents. Chinese don't do that basically, right? And Koreans are... Mm, when I when you say <laughs> xenophobia, when you say <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what, and that that's not my place to speak on that. I don't have an opinion. Obviously, I don't want to see xenophobia and racism and all that stuff. But I'm talking about. I understand that the situation between those two countries is very tense, very uh, tense. So it's it's not something I really have an opinion on. But I just wanted to put that put it out there to get people to see sort of the how big of a situation this is. Netizens are like. No no more Chinese idols. We need to get Chinese idols out of our country. We need to, you know, ban them. This makes me uncomfortable. There's some very strong opinions about this. One comment says, all this shows is that the Chinese are arrogant and have no respect or consideration for other cultures. That is something that is like a common sentiment that I see a lot. And I have no outside opinion on it. I'm just like reporting what I see people saying, right? Also for context, in 2018, two Chinese members of 17 were told when attending a South Korean talent variety show that they did not need to kneel down while other Korean members performed the traditional New Year's greeting. So it's not the first time that this has come up, but Mm. there's a bigger problem with this than I guess, I don't know, I didn't even know about the 17 situation, so... Well, there's also from something I heard the grapevine, where I guess some Chinese, like a Chinese official, like in the CCP, of course, basically made some sort of really controversial statement saying that I believe one of the founding kind of think of think of it as like the founding fathers, but except for for Korea, it's like one of the founders of Korea tried to make it seem like he was a Chinese person, and basically saying all. Anybody in East Asia is actually like ethnically Chinese. And I'm like, that's actually not true at all. That's incorrect. Yeah. If we look at history about the Mongols, you can't just forget about these other people that were already there. On top of the native indigenous populations, even in the Philippines, they have an, an indigenous population called the Negritos. And they're just basically these people who were from Africa who were 
indigenous to the Philippines who were there before anybody else. So I don't, I'm so confused as to where some of the Chinese officials in the CCP are getting this idea and that they kind of own the rest of Asia and they, and that the rest of Asia only exists because of China. It's a very extreme thought. And it's just kind of some food for thought for this, like, I'm really curious about what's going to happen with like Chinese idols in Korea, because it just seems like every day the situation is getting more hostile. And honestly, what generally tends to happen is that they they go to Korea, they debut and and that puts them on that center stage and that allows them to build a fan base. And then they go back to China and they, they reap that benefit because people now know who they are and they're somebody and they can do things. I mean, we talked about WSJN. They have, I think, three Chinese members and they left. Two of them were in like, uh, is it Rocket Girls? Or one of the like produce groups in China and they are crazy popular. They haven't come back, basically. That's why WSNJ is not a 12 member. Was it 13 members? It was 12 or 13 members. It's not a full group anymore. You know, Jackson is just there. <laughs> the girls from his A, Gia and Faye, are there. Victoria Lay, Lay's contract is coming up and apparently there are rumors that he's not going to resign with SME. Why does he need to? He's making so much money. He's so popular in China, you know? Uh, Lucas, I mean, even with the scandal, I'm sure Lucas could rebound if he can finagle a way to do it with SME or to get out of his contract. Win-Win set up his own agency. He's doing stuff out there. Victoria, as I mentioned, is really popular out there from, I think it's Yuki from Silent G Idol. It's huge out there. And so, you know, they don't actually need Korea. And honest, to be quite honest, Korea doesn't, is has not never really been that great <laughs> to a lot of the foreign idols either. I mean, you look Southeast Asian is a an insult that they regularly use. So, and not all of them, obviously, but you know, I it is which very hard I would never understand some of like some of the most attractive men I've ever seen are Thai. Yeah. Like, I don't even get that. But I gotta say, from my experience, I feel like it's a combination of things because yeah. one, there's there's in any society, I almost feel like you can find colorism, except for white Absolutely. people. So it's part of it is like naturally there, but then it's exacerbated by the fact that you get. Chinese, like lighter, light, white skin Chinese people or lighter skin Chinese people who come to Thailand a lot and who have a lot of influence on Thai culture. You get Koreans who K pop is huge in Thailand, huge, who yeah. have a lot of influence on Thai culture. And then a lot of people don't know this quite as it's kept, but like Japan is like one of the top destinations for like Thai people to travel to. And like I even recently, two of my favorite actors just did like a whole propaganda piece trying to convince Japanese people to come to Thailand. <laughs> so like, like there's like this whole like industry of like the big three. I, I mean, that's what they are. The big three kind of like having so much influence on these other countries who their people are naturally a little darker than the big three just because of geography and climate, yeah. but also because of their native populations haven't been completely wiped out. Like Thailand has like a really huge native. Uh, okay. I'm not gonna say really huge, but if you compare it to like Japan mm -hmm. and, 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 and look at like the indigenous populations, it's a lot more prominent. Like you, I feel like even in the TV you watch, you're a lot more likely to see like an indigenous Thai person 
on TV than you are to see that in like Japanese media, Korean media, what have you, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's layers to it. It's partially like the natural colorism that happens in any brown or darker colored society. Basically, any society is not white. And also, when you have people who are slightly lighter than you, not all that much because we've um, your average Korean is not that many shades off from your average Thai person, right? But when you see that and the, they're pushing their propaganda, it, what what are you to do? You know, it's almost yeah. like it's almost like I, I almost, to be honest, feel bad for some like uh, some of these like Thai idols and stuff because it's like they're getting it in from both ends. Whereas if we look at like, for example, black people, especially in America. It pretty much just comes from like it, the colorism part of it comes mostly from us, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like white people are more likely to just be like, or not even just white people, but any person who's not black, if they are saying something about black people, it's like in racial terms. It's not. It's like not like color terms. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That was a huge digression, but I just want to say that because I thought that was important to add. And yes, I don't know. It gives a lot of perspective, mm-hmm. I feel. Yeah, I think this is going to be a developing story because there still are quite a bit of foreign, specifically Chinese idols in K-pop. And I think that when you start seeing these things slowly trickle into the news, you're going to start seeing it more and more and it'll build. Like movements have been built out, out of less than this. So I definitely think that that's going to continue and we'll definitely keep you up to date, guys. So next, K-pop stories. So basically, we're starting to see an influx of K-pop literature, K-pop fiction. And unfortunately, a lot of it is written by um, fangirls, specifically white fangirls. So... Yes, My Summer in Seoul. Is Wait, a book. before you get into it, yeah, I just have to say, God bless your soul for calling this literature. That's such a popular. <laughs> I, I was like, I, would, I was like, maybe we should clarify that they are not also not professional writers. Uh, these people <laughs> right. are not. Uh, some of them are. Some of them are. Like the author of My Summer in Seoul has written like 90 books or something. But like, I, I mean, yeah. but, yeah, but are they 90 Wattpad books? <laughs> or like what amounts to fan fiction does actual real literature, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So basically My Summer in Seoul is a K-pop novel that was picked up to be adapted into a TV show even before it was released. It is a story by Rachel Van Dyken and it is set in the competitive world of K-pop. And so William Lee and Mark and Christine Holder have a company, have companies called Soul Street and Zero Four Entertainment. And basically they are looking for a female Asian American writer to pen the adaptation. So I think that the show will probably be better than the book because the show is actually going to be written by Asian and produced by Asians. Like Will Yunli is a very amazing actor. He played Takashi in Altered Carbon, one of the best shows of all time. So I feel like they're probably going to be able to add authenticity to this story. But I have read My Summer in Seoul. Have you guys read My Summer in Seoul? Probably not. Because we talked about it. I mean, it's on my list. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about it very recently, so it's fine. Anyway, so basically, it's about a half Asian, um, a biracial girl named Grace. Her mother is white. Her dad is Korean. Her uncle needs somebody to come to Korea last minute to help him Hold manage. Up, pause real quick. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I never picked up on, on you saying that her mother was white and her father's Korean. That's high, very telling. Very telling. It, it tells you a lot about the, the writer of this story. But continue, continue. I'm, I'm interested. You pick mine. <laughs> I, I'm going to be very quick because I have a whole like two and a half hour episode that I did with Nikki for Soju on this book. We went chapter by chapter, y'all. It was crazy. But anyway, so Grace goes and surprise, he is basically Bang PD and his group SWT is basically BTS with a, a character named Sookie, Jungkookie, you know, that's that's a thing and she grace is basically giving blowjobs to idols and getting felt up in the back of incongayo it's 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 a not a great book i will say that if you want to read it don't we have as i said why are we giving it free promo (laughs) well i this is more of a warning okay guys this is a warning so we read it so you did not have to and it is a very bad book not only does the author write from a biracial korean and and white person but she also writes from an full Asian person's perspective when she writes for the the male lead. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, just in case. And she also writes terribly for all the Korean women in this book. Like, there is clearly a vendetta against Korean women because she never writes anything right. And it's so hypocritical where she's very critical of, like, how female idols have to present themselves and how, like, she hates it. It's fake. You know, they're not authentic. They suck. And but if the males also have to do the very exact same thing and she understands it because this is how you make it in K-pop. And there is a, an actual scene where one of the male members of this group calls a Korean woman ugly, saying he prefers natural looks to the Gangnam style or the Gangnam face, you know, so this group, I mean, sorry, this, this novel is, is so misogynistic. There are no Black people except for one. Her name is Aisha. And apparently, allegedly, the only Black person even mentioned in this book bullies the lead girl because she doesn't look white enough. Make that make sense. And then the ending is just really ridiculous because it's like not like you, you suspend all disbelief because there's no way that the ending ha- could happen. It's, it's, if you have watched any Korean dramas, even like what, you could only watch one Korean drama, you would know that that ending is, is such a Western type of ending for a rom-com. It doesn't work in this world. Also, there are a lot of trigger women's in this book for eating disorders. She gets very graphic about the way that K-pop idols kill themselves, which made me very offended. We were very upset because it was clear that she took inspiration from specific people that I don't even need to name because you all know them. But she and and the worst thing about this book, I mean, outside of all of that, is that this person, Rachel, feels that she is 
worthy or that she has enough information about k-pop to be a guide and an introduction to it that's when what most I of the information most of the information in the book is incorrect the romanticization that she does for the hangul is incorrect the the the, the scandal that is the reason that whole reason grace has to go to korea is is such a first and second gen mm. problem it would never work for a fourth gen there's no way that would happen and she does the whole dark side of k-pop twice yes she does girl ugh, that's ghetto yeah so <laughs> this is the thing i understand that k-pop there's money to be had in it and it's very popular and then there's a lot of people who like it now like just there's a lot of people who like k-dramas who think that because they watch good game they they understand everything about korea i'm not saying that this is not a fit for me to shit on people who are new to k-pop because i've been in it for so long it's more about the gall like the actual audacity for this white woman to give such incorrect information to be sensationalized in things that are terrible to be mis misogynistic racist i just there are so many warning flags in this book that I just don't even understand how somebody could have seen it and thought, yes, this is something I need to write about. I need to adapt to television. And the unlike honestly, I my only saving grace about the adaptation is that once again, it's ha being handled by actual Asian people, specifically Korean people. So they they can add their perspective and they can add authenticity to it. And you know, there's such a there's, there's not enough. But you know, I, I, I find it, I don't know if irony is the word, but I yeah. find it interesting that even though Korean people are working on the show, that the material that's being adapted was written by a white woman. Yes. Yes. Who got into K-pop very recently. Big irony of a lot of this, though, yeah, is you just know that there's like, male idols who would love to meet this lady and be yeah. in this like yeah. they, they would love to be in the position of the the protagonist of this book so yeah no and i think like as i said before there's there's this there is room we need more diverse stories about diverse characters for sure so that's why i would i will give the tv show a, a lot more chance than i should after reading this book but because i i i'm familiar with at least one of the names on it. So, and and enough to, to feel like this could be something great, you know, to all the boys and things like that. But on the other hand, why is it only like white people, specifically white women who are doing these things? You know what I mean? Not just with the stories, because we're getting a lot more other stories. I mean, there's a story that Craze Magazine just mentioned as well, and it's from people based in Germany, but I don't, I don't think that they're white to be quite honest with you, just because I'm familiar with one of the names and I don't think that, I don't, I'm not familiar with two of the names, but I'm familiar with Sahar. So I feel like this is not going to be a story written by white people, but this is another story that's going to be based in Germany. Anja Rudolph, Sabrina Rudolph and Sahar Ayachi founded Envision Publishing and they are going to publish or they're on the road to publish in their first series entitled the million series and the project follows a fictional k-pop boy group named millions who were active who were only active for three years and after a two-year hiatus the group is coming back to the industry with their own music label and that's where the story begins in a million beginnings and it looks like they have really thought out the the world building in this because they already have the names they have merch 
And basically, it looks like they had a crowdfunding Kickstarter campaign on December 26th that's going to run until January 21st. And people can pre-order not just the book, but also the merchandise related to this. And I mean, InVision Publishing is, is not new to any of us, I don't believe. And they have also partnered with the Shiny Foundation to raise funds. So I believe in this a lot more than I believe in somebody who I believe got their come up writing fan fiction for Twilight or something, um, who, who believes that, you know, that they have what it takes to write other ethnicities and did so very poorly. And also in their, their forward mentions that people around the world helped them bring this together. And then they mentioned countries, but then said Africa, like Africa was a country. So, you know, I say all that to say that we need to stop, stop, stop white women specifically in these fandom spaces from being the voice of these things. Not to say that there are not white women in these spaces who, you know, are wonderful and add to the conversations and, you know, always like who are, who are doing good things and also like sort of understanding their place in all of this. Uh, but there is a huge amount of them. And I mean, we saw that with the documentary on K-pop where that one white woman from Vancouver was like, Western music is so, it's so gaudy and it's not deep and it's raunchy and K-pop is just so nice and pure. We've seen these, these sort of microaggressive sort mean, of conversations before, you know what I mean? The funny part about that is when when I hear somebody goes, oh, K-pop, it's just so much more deep. There's literally a song that the lyrics are ch-ch-ch-ch-chewing gum. Like, okay. <laughs> all right. Bing, bing, bing. Oh, and we love Shiny. We love Shiny. But, but we all know Help. there's no substance there. There's no substance. When I went to see them in, in concert, that was a song that got everybody on their feet, okay? Like, that was the, the littest song of the whole night, okay? Uh, so, <laughs> exactly. So I think that we need to elevate people who are in these spaces, people who, you know, are not just Black, obviously we're Black, so I mean, we can talk from our own perspective, but from other parts of Asia, from Latin America, from so many places around the world. Why is it always, no matter what fandom I'm in, the people who emerge out of these fandoms, victorious, always tend to be white women. I am... I am tired. I'm very, very, very tired. Um, or an, alternatively, could be black men too, for right? reasons that well, we've talked I mean, about before. In anime, it, yes, definitely in anime. As an, yes. an as an addendum, I found this young lady online a while back, and apparently, she is now selling these on Amazon. So I guess good for her. But I'm putting the link in our little private chat. And she is a uh, Shireen, Sharon Morishita. She's a Black lady. And she wrote a series of manga uh, called Love, Love, Fighting. And it's about a biracial, half-Black, half-Korean woman who um, goes to South Korea, meets a handsome Korean guy, and they fall in love. I think he is a K-pop star. I'm trying to remember from when I, I first saw about her comics online. 
but it's more of one of those, you know, comic, you know, they are, you know, teasing, you know, slap, 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 kiss kind of thing. I love you. No, I don't really love you sort of thing. So, yeah. And the art is not bad, but as an alternative to what we have seen, what what do you think of, of this? See, Miley problem, once again, okay, <laughs> is that the whole, like, Black women, Asian men, Black women, white men, the Irish mob secret quintuplet babies, you know, like, that kind of genre space is really cringy to me. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely going to give this a chance because, you know, you never know until you try it. But sometimes I do feel like the same fetishization that I complain about from like what I see with a lot of white women, I do see also from black women. Uh, I mean, K music and black women exist, right? I really just want no fetishization. You can say someone's attractive and appreciate that without it being sort of weird. And I think that with the story, with My Summer and Soul specifically, it was very specific parts of Korean culture were held up and then everything else was shit on. I'm definitely going to check this out and I'm going to actually pay for it because I do support Black creatives, but I'm just hoping, I'm hoping it's not, it's not the same type of what we've been seeing with, with this, my, my summer and soul and just like other books. So are you guys going to be reading any K-pop fan fiction turn pieces of literature, novels? Any, any, any interest in that at all? Listen, if I read any K-pop fan fiction, it's going to be for free and I will enjoy it that (laughs) way. I'm not paying for that mess. I will not be reading any K-pop fan fiction. So lastly, the last topic of today is that it's 2022. Some groups are turning seven years old. Who do we think is going to disband? So <laughs> here are a list of groups that are supposedly, allegedly resigning this year, or maybe not. Twice. Day six. Oh my Wait, girl. hold up. You should well, you should you should go like one say by one? the name and then me and Ash will be like disband or stay together. Okay, twice. All right. Stay together. I think they will stay together, but honestly, if I were them, I would be ready to disband by now. Oh, I wouldn't. They don't have solo. I personally, I love Twice, but I don't think any of them have what it takes to be solo stars. So but I that's think what I'm saying. Go. Like, I feel like JYP kind of hobbled them yeah. in the sense that they have to stay together and they have to be on this crazy schedule all the time because they're putting food in everybody else's mouth in JYP. It just, I don't know. Every time I see them, they just look very, like, not that happy to be. <laughs> well, I mean, if they resign as a full group, that'll be the first time that JYP has actually maintained a group <laughs> when it came to contract negotiations. <laughs> uh, like, somebody tweeted that JYP is a revolving door. I was like, oh my God, it really is. Like... <laughs> <laughs> But I think that they, I think that they will likely all resign, but I do think that there are certain members who I kind of think might think are thinking a little bit more about it, specifically the ones who have taken hiatuses and and, yeah, and, and expressed that they, you know, want to do different types of music. So I think that they'll stay together though. I mean, those girls know where the money is and it's definitely with them as being a nine member group. Day six, which recently also lost a member, Jay. What do we think? Yeah. Oh, I think stay together. 
I think the rest of the okay. guys stay together. I, I do. Yeah, that's why I think. I think. I think that there's there's something to be said about. Um, I because why did he leave again? I forgot. I mean, he went back to America and basically like he's never really been comfortable in the whole K-pop world. I mean, that's there's a reason he's been in so many different issues over the years. And he did have to take a break in 2020 right. for mental health reasons. So I think it's very stressful for him over in Korea. Okay, yeah, I think I think stay together. Yeah. So I mean Ash Rabbit Fire. Yeah. Uh I think they'll stay together. They seem like the type of group that doesn't need to have, you know, certain people in it to continue. So. I mean, I think people forget that they're called Day Six because they originally had six members. We all, most people only know them as a five-member group. So I think that they'll be fine as a four-member group or if they replace JL together. But next, oh my girl. I, so here's, well, five to seven uh, members of the group have already renewed. So I think Mimi and Jihyo have not renewed as yet. And Jihyo has had health can, health issues in the past, so some people are worried about that. But I think they will definitely stay together. I don't even know why CLC is on this list. I mean, CLC already <laughs> dead left. They already lost two members, Alki and Soren, who did not resign with Cube, and Eugen de- just joined this this produce group called Kepler. So I mean, they're already down to like four members. Yeah, I don't see them going forward with them. I don't see a point in it, to be quite honest. And I do like CLC, but. Yeah, I think that they're pretty much done. And Cube has already launched a new group plus their juniors, G Silent Idol. So, okay, Monster X. Stay together. Stay together. I think they'll stay together. April. <laughs> I didn't even know. So, April was the one that had that scandal last year, that bullying scandal. So, I. And think- they haven't come back since April 2020. I think yeah. they're just like sitting their contract out at this point. I. I definitely agree. I don't I don't see a comeback, but you never know. You never know. Map six. So I don't really know much about this group. And allegedly four or five four of the five members are in the military. Yeah, I don't know them. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. Um, well, I'll just vote for this band because I don't know who they are. <laughs> I will say come to, they're gonna come back together and then they'll I feel have- like if you're seven years in and I don't know who you are. You gotta be disbanded, right? I don't. They're in the military. They really. I don't. I don't. I don't think they okay. can. Okay. So what are you saying? And flying. Oh wait, no. Oh, this members. year? No. What's gonna happen this year? Well, no, no. So okay, I don't even know why they're here because this is all five members renewed their contract February of last year. So I guess they're fine. I don't know. Uh, how about Dia? They still disband though. That's true. Dia. Disband. Disband. I think so too. They also had a bullying scandal. Last comeback was 2020. Snooper. They haven't had a comeback in Korea since 2018, but they are still active in Japan and their last Japanese release was in 2020. I feel like Snooper lost members recently to Omega X, actually. Wasn't an Omega X member from Snooper? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I say they stay in Japan. Yeah. I think that would be smart. Okay, so Icon. Bobby needs to pay for those matching Air Forces, okay? So I think he's going to resign. And once he resigns, the group will probably resign around him. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Uptension. I am actually surprised that they haven't disbanded, but they had a comeback the other day. 
and it's a their names, song. I feel like their group name sounds like it was made to this band. <laughs> and also Vav. Their last release was a digital signal single, sorry, in October 2021. Years. Oh, sorry. Where have I been? Yeah, these are also your <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I, I, yeah. I say yes. I guess they'll stay together for a little while longer since they yeah. just came out with it. Not long. A single. I mean, like, I think that the not touring and the fan meets and stuff like that are definitely having long lasting effects on smaller groups. So maybe that might actually be the reason for them to disband. And it's not really like their success is just the money aspect. It's very expensive to have K-pop groups, right? So we'll see. We'll be watching Bab this year to see if they have disbanded. But yes, so that is all the topics, the many, many topics that we had. K-pop has not slept, y'all. So in terms of our featured segment, we are featuring Omega X. So Omega X is an 11-member <laughs> South Korean boy group under Spire Entertainment. The group consists of Jaehan, Hui Chen, Sibin, Hang Yum, Taedong, Zen, Jaehyun, Kevin, Jung Hyun, Hyuk, and Ye Chen. They have no set positions. Yeah. I just want to say a very quick shout out to Hyuk. <laughs> they have no set positions and they are all leaders of the group. And they made their debut on June 30th, 2021 with the mini album Vamos and the title track of the same name. And they've had two comebacks since then, which with What's Going On, which was more of a single album. And their recent album that dropped this year was Love Me Like. And we actually have an album review for Omega X for Love Me Like on our Patreon. So become a Patreon and you can listen to us talk about Omega X and Twice and Got7 and BTS and all of the groups that we, we have done so many album reviews. So I think that you should definitely join and support the podcast but anyways yeah. uh so omega x is it, it comes from the greek alphabet omega which means the end or final and holds the meaning that the group intends on being the final boss in the k-pop industry and the special thing about omega x is that it's a bit of a second chance or third chance group where every single member has either debuted or been on some sort of reality competition show so everybody is known in some way shape or form to the k-pop community because you We've seen them in something. And so they have come together as sort of not quite the Avengers, maybe like the Teen Titans. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of it's not like the Justice League. Maybe it's, yeah, because if, if Super M is like, you know, the Justice League, the Avengers, maybe they're more of like the Super Justice Friends? League, the Super Friend. No, because. They have Wonder Woman. I think they're like the I, Justice League. Maybe they're, maybe they're like the cast of Riverdale. All the characters of Riverdale in the town. They all could, because they get together, they solve mysteries. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I, I, mean, I don't watch. I don't, I don't watch You're it. Not so I don't. <laughs> but we say all that to say that even though they are a new group and even though they're still finding their way, there's definitely a lot of talent in Omega X. I think that was our, the main takeaway from our album review of Love Me Like. And we did watch the other music videos for what's going on in Vamos. And yeah, I think I would just say for me personally, I think that they're really talented. I think that they do need, they're, they're still looking for an identity. I think that their music so far right now is a bit too on trend. So it's very easy to get lost in the shuffle. 
I think that once they personally, I would like to see them prioritize their singers over their rappers. And I think that would definitely make them a little bit more distinguished in a very rap heavy, you know, hip hop bass idol system that we've seen a lot of now. And because their singers are so good, like they sound really, really good. And I would like to see them highlighted a little bit more. And I think that they, yeah, I think that they're just a bit too on trend to really stand out. I think that they need to work on finding their signature, their sound, their style, and just lean in more on that and and sort of find their identity. And I think that's definitely going to make them stand out and be more of a breakout hit. What about you guys? Yeah, so I out of all of their songs that we listen to, I well, because we listen to their album, but out of, out of all the songs on the album, I feel like... I didn't really see, like you were saying, the identity that we were talking about. And I also feel like there's something to be said for the way your image is crafted, right? So when, when we talk about that, I'm speaking specifically on things like your makeup, your styling, your, your, all of those things to me are huge parts of like an idol's image. And one thing I noticed about Omega X is they seem a little bit behind the curve with like makeup and styling. It seems like their styling is a little bit like three, four years ago, particularly in their music videos. It's outfits that I would have seen literally like years ago on, on music shows and stuff like that. So that's one big thing that really stands out to me is their image is a little dated. And I don't know if that's on purpose or whatnot, but I I don't know I don't know. To me, that's like a barrier to entry. If you combine that with sort of the more generic feel of some of the songs, I will say they are very talented. They can dance, I believe. Yes. Yes. And their singers are actually singers. I mean, I'm not saying they're singers, you know, they're no, it's not not like a Jonghyun situation or Onu situation, but they are much better than like the average K-pop boy group. And I, I do think that it, what they were trying to do on the album with a little bit of like the rock side of it mm-hmm. and some of that more adult contemporary type music, I actually thought that that was more their lane than this sort of heavy electronic. I feel like they are trying, they're doing what the boys did last year with uh, mm-hmm. that darker concept, but I don't think it works as well on these guys. And on top of that, the boys, I feel like their dancers are, it's a different vibe. It's a a, a totally different vibe. Um, And their music is a different vibe as well. These guys, I think they fit in the adult contemporary space very well. Even though the youngest member is like, what, 20 something? Yeah. Yeah. It's still adult. Their music, they sound the best when they do that like life house like daniel powder the fray kind of music i really yeah. like that and and that that's something that's on trend without being too on trend it's following in the steps of two by two without copying two by two you know yes. because two by two is definitely firmly in the rock category i think even though it's like more so pop rock or punk rock is still in the rock category that being said i think they have a lot of potential i truly do especially hug like mm, he got a lot of potential but i think that they're all just really talented i just can't wait to see what the right music and the right image looks like on them yes um i pretty much agree with everybody i mean i just feel like they just really need a rehaul they have the voices to sing better music just the quality of the songs that they had were just not that great they were just kind of (laughs) there 
and like you said, it's just kind of following the the K-pop boy group like guidebook as far as have a he a heavy electronic song, do some softer coffee shop pieces, but nothing in it that really really created a. Uh, their own personality or their own concept for themselves. So I think for them to succeed, they really need to create a distinct identity along with their music to just to really stand out from everyone else that's out there right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're happy to see some more from Omega X as they continue to develop and evolve. And yeah, we're in for you guys. All right, so that's the episode, and hopefully it's not too long for you guys. I mean, there's a lot going on. We're sorry. We apologize. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you guys, you know where to find us. We're on Twitter at Nyan Edizens. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Not Your Average Netizens. We're, you can email us at Gmail at uh, not your average netizens at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon. As I mentioned before, it's $3 a month, and you can... We have such a wide variety of content on there, album reviews, discussions. We try to find really fun conversation topics. There's so much of a back catalog that it would probably take you a long time to get through. But yeah, that's where you guys can support us. You know, we put a lot of work into this and it'd be great if you could, if you can. Obviously, rough times, guys. Do what you guys can. Uh, you just being here and listening to us and, you know, liking and sharing and commenting is is good enough, to be quite honest. Any last words? Any shout outs? All I will say, I will say this, is that we've been around since 2014 and we are still here. So I feel like that says a lot about us as a group and a lot about the quality of our podcast. So. We are here to make content for you. And so, yeah. So, yes, shout outs to Jimin, Jay, and Nat for just continuing this podcast and continuing to do good work. And shout outs to the listeners for continuing to listen to us. Aww. Thank you. Very sweet. So shout out to everybody that Ash shouted out. In addition to everybody Ash shouted out, shout outs to Hyog from Omega X. Um, shout out specifically his K profiles profile. Shout outs to Bright and Win. I heard they just won some award in Japan. I don't know what it was for, but everybody was talking about it because I guess like it's they're like the first Thai people to get some sort of I don't know something like that, that. seems we like a very big deal so yeah I get that yeah yeah so shout outs to them um shout outs to Off and Gun for being extremely talented um and keeping me interested in the show shout outs to shoot I literally just my mind went blank shout outs to all the people who secretly listen to Doja Cat but don't like admit it because we know you do. I think that's my main shout outs. I want to say shout out to Lisa Ray for putting Ari Fletcher in her place. Anti shout out to Ari Fletcher. Ew, disgusting. We don't like you. Um, I'm trying to think. Anything else? Well, for me, shout outs to the listeners. 
shout outs to Ash and Jay and Jimin for making this fun, even after, you know, all this time. It still is fun to come on here and talk about K-pop and all the K-entertainment stuff that's going on. Oh, I'm going to cut you off because I this is what I was going to say. Shout outs to Isayama. Um, shout outs to the team at MAPPA for coming through for me on Sunday. Shout outs to Aaron Yeager. That's still my baby, in case y'all was wondering. And shout outs to Armin, who is now my my child, my son. Okay, sorry, go go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I would also like to give a shout out to the Attack on Titan team because that first episode was bananas. Uh, I still love Aaron. I'm very open about it. I don't, uh, literally, I had I had said something about loving Aaron and Ashley Mack was like, we talked about this. He's a murderer. I'm like, mm, I don't know. We, we don't move past it. <laughs> I, I feel like Aaron, you know, has very specific thoughts about what he wants to do to humanity. And humanity hasn't sh- hasn't proven really that, you know, maybe what he's doing is not right. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Like, I just, and I don't you know? know if this is a spoiler or not. But just so y'all know, I'm anime only, so I don't know anything. This is just my guess. But shout outs, a uh, spoiler warning, shout outs to Aaron and his stories, baby. But continue, <laughs> continue Well, I have read the manga. Okay, don't, don't, don't say nothing. I'm not going to say anything about that. But uh, I will say that, like, shout outs to the Attack on Titan team because they really they really did what they needed to do with that next first episode. It was nonstop fun. Okay. Uh, shout out to got seven whose anniversary is coming up on the 16th and who, you know, are likely, well, I mean, JB done teased that they're going to do something. So we'll see what that is. And yeah, I think that's it for me as well. Uh, yeah. So thank you for your time. You know, if you want to weigh in on the conversation, you guys can definitely like tweet us, send us messages on SoundCloud or through Gmail or whatnot. And we definitely, I mean, we love communicating with you guys. We love talking to you guys. We love, you know, all the fun interactions and support. And, you know, it's been a rough time, guys. And things don't seem like they're easing up as much as they should be so just take care of yourselves you know just take care of yourself and yeah we'll see you in hopefully two weeks time with the next episode bye 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 bye